0: W-B-N-E. Hello and welcome to episode 181, all about the Lord of the Rings appendices, appendix A, being the 181st part of That's What I'm Talking About. My name is Mary Clay. If that's too complicated for you, just call me MC. I've been experiencing the world of J.R.R. Tolkien for the first time, and this week we are diving into the Lord of the Rings appendices, specifically Appendix A, specifically the first half of Appendix A. (laughs) And today I am joined by Josh. He is on Twitter as J.R.R. Jokin, which... I can't believe I've never made that joke. It's right in front of me. Welcome, Josh.
1: <laughs> thank you. Thank you. So glad to be here and to get to talk about Appendix A.
0: Yeah. Before we we dive into it, why don't you tell me and the listeners a little bit about your history with Lord of the Rings? How did you get introduced to it? And then what what is it that you're doing on, on Twitter?
1: All right. Yeah, well... For that second one, kind of hard for even me to (laughs) wrap uh, my mind around that. But uh, for Lord of the Rings, so a few years before the movies came out, the Peter Jackson movies, uh, my grandmother, who was very influential in my just general love for reading, she had loved the books and she had already shown me like some of those old animated ones the oh, Rankin Bass yes. and the we are familiar uh, yeah, so, with those here so i had seen those i knew the stories from them the hobbit and the the lord of the rings um and the the return of the king but then you know missing parts from it obviously um and so she had given me a set of the books they're the the covers that are like the Hobbit is black and it has the like kind of plump Bilbo on it with the like really interesting looking golem. And, Amazing. And so, yeah. Then the uh, Fellowship and Two Towers and Return of the King with similar like those are interesting choices for it. But, you know, the, the pictures just even from looking at them as like strange and wondrous as they were just were like, oh, my goodness, this is that story. In full, here it is. So I read through them, immediately fell in love with um, just the the full world that you're exposed to, because any adaptation, right, is going to make choices um, in how to present things, what to present, and so to encounter. And I know that you're familiar yourself with this whole journey, right? That's kind of a part of what this is, is having yeah. this idea, right, of what it's like, but then for yourself. So to have gone on that journey and... Uh, and read them and then so soon after it was like this was two or three years before the movies came out so I was really excited to hear that they were and again just falling in love all over with them in this new medium seeing them um, on the the big screen in such a different way um so that's where it all started and it just kind of stuck with me of course uh it was kind of an entry point into fantasy writ large and the just various influences that tolkien had you know wherever you go in fantasy definitely either they're copying tolkien or reacting against tolkien or even by being completely different than him it's often a very conscious choice to do that um so he's dominating the landscape I like the terry pratchett I believe, quote, where he's talking about, you know, him being similar to Mount Fuji in Japanese art, just it's either there or the fact that it's not there is a conscious choice, like the so influential, so dominant that um so stuck with me. And then here I go starting a Twitter account at some point when, after it comes out and we're all trying to figure out what do we do there and it takes everyone a while to figure out an angle or just what you want to do with that space. And for me, I wanted to have fun with it. Um, just make it a lighthearted place. Leave it. Although it's not really that much of a challenge better than when you found it, as it were. Um, yeah. With Twitter, it's like, all right, how does a dumpster fire get better when, Honestly, than when you yes. found it? <laughs> like a little less burning? I don't know. Um, but yeah, just started, you know, making jokes, trying memes, all of that. And among all the other things that I have talked about uh, Lord of the Rings is really one where there was this sense of connection that I found with people where it kind of transcended a lot of the other divisions where if you talk about one thing, whether it's politics or uh, sports or those things, yeah, you can build a following around them, but it's often very like tribal or there's us and them. And, and Lord of the Rings was something that I found kind of permeated those walls uh it it pierced some of those things where just people no matter their backgrounds were enjoying remembering i think um and being Mm -hmm. in on some of these references or and then uh just uh, smiling about them uh, laughing or giggling or whatever the (laughs) reaction is um and so that's twitter and then out of that out of uh, some recent events, there I thought, well, what if? Uh, I wonder kind of, what those recent yeah, events are. Uh, right? Yeah, uh, this episode
0: will be so fun and funny. Like, like it's so dated. Yep. L- listeners who are wondering in the I don't know distant future, if you're listening. <laughs> The year is, tw- it is January 4th, 2023, as we are recording this, and we are several months into Elon
1: Musk now Great.
0: owning Twitter.
1: Yes, <laughs> and there was a lot of apprehension and fear and uh, chicken little, you know, the app is falling kind of thing, and we'll see where it goes. Uh But a lot of that was people kind of looking, where where would I go if not? twitter and there's no twitter replacement at least not at this point when we're recording but one of those things was hey well a lot of people are doing email newsletters and so i thought that could be a place um, to kind of continue what i've been doing talking about lord of the rings finding some of the humor there making connections with other things whether it's media or topics of faith or classic literature all of that Uh, but do it in kind of more of a a long form uh, format or even just talk about what we're all experiencing there Uh, and so that's kind of been my latest uh, venture so it's been a lot of fun so far I've been really encouraged by the response and uh, I'm excited for for where to go I'm not leaving Twitter I don't think any of us uh, could leave Twitter unless like it's been pointed out you know like the ring it was Clawed from our hands by a golem, like uh, th- you know, I think Elon. that's how it's yeah, gonna go. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so that's a very
0: astute yeah, <laughs> observation there.
1: Yeah, it wasn't mine, it was someone else's, but it's just one of those. Uh,
0: yeah, we're, we're yeah. there
1: until it's not there, but you can also find me there on Substack.
0: Yeah, um, yeah, it's so cool. Um, as I am, you know, now getting into. Do doing this podcast for many years now and like connecting with so many different creators. I always just find it so interesting to see what like levels of creation there are and the mm-hmm. things that people are using from Lord of the Rings to connect with other people and like the mediums that people are using with which to create and uh, like the, the cleverness of, of, of people to constantly be creative with it. Um, it's, always I mean I've said, I keep saying it like so many times throughout this podcast but it's just so outstanding to me that this was a book series mm-hmm. you know the hobbit was written like I think 90 years ago 80 years mm-hmm. ago and lord of the rings like 60 70 years ago and here we are still you know talking yeah. about it and connecting and finding new ways to mm-hmm. enjoy it together yeah.
1: and i think that speaks to with uh, Tolkien in fairy stories, on fairy stories, talking about uh, creation and then subcreation, creation and taking, you know, kind of this this generative power that he sees in, in God and the, the universe and and doing our own things with it. Like, it speaks to the, what he did with his own uh, sub-creation. And it's so powerful that so many of us are like, I just want to play in that sandbox. You know, I want to create yes. things out of that, myself and kind of mash it up. And, and so we're inspired by and learning from him and ultimately um, just so, I think, happy to to be there. I think that's one of the things that, that characterizes all these creators is just like this real joy in the work itself and what Tolkien has done and left for us. So I'm so appreciative of all the connections that I've made in that fandom and people who uh you know I, I follow and just am enjoying the things that they're doing that I could never do and I'm glad to have a small little itty bitty corner in that to do my thing to.
0: Awesome. Yeah. Well, let's get going into The Appendices. Mm-hmm. Listeners, here we are finally like I don't know 3 years later after I finished Lord of the Rings originally. Um, and, Josh, the story is that I finished reading Return of the King. It was a very mm-hmm. triumphant moment. Right. I was so many people have been i hi- had never seen the movies. So a lot of people were hyping up the movies and those were next on the on the list. Right. And so I was ready to move on to the movies. I was also just kind of done reading Tolkien at that right. point. I was like, yeah. I don't want to keep reading mm-hmm. i'm mm-hmm. done yep <laughs> there's just nothing more for me here so i skipped the appendices i did flip ahead to i think it's appendix b that is the long timeline mm-hmm. and then it goes on to show the events of what happened to the fellowship members and you know other characters mm-hmm. after the end of um, the events in Return of the King and right. so I did read and find out you know like oh my god Sam was mayor like 11 times and he right. had a million kids <laughs> and Pippin named his son Faramir yes. and uh, Legolas and Gimli sail off into the sunset That's together right,
1: literally together. Like,
0: so many great things and I was like I don't need to read the appendix. It'll never, ever come back again. I don't care about any of this knowledge.
1: Mm -hmm. And then
0: like two years later, a little show called Rings Rings of of Power Power. comes out. (laughs) (laughs) And that is like, like come to find out as I was leading up to it that they only had rights to the appendices and I was getting ready to read the Silmarillion and I right. was like, Oh, this is great. I'm <laughs> going to read the Silmarillion leading up to r- r- rings of power. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. then no, right. no, yes. it, it was based on the thing that I was so adamant about never reading. Yeah. So
1: <laughs> yep, it came back.
0: <laughs> it came back around. Um And I'm almost glad though it kind of happened in this order that I read the Silmarillion mm, first right. because Appendix A all of this it does do like a quick little brief summary right of some of the events in the Silmarillion but it starts to pick up where the Silmarillion left off yes. where um where Elendil and his sons Eäsilur and Anarion you know that Numenor has fallen they come over to middle earth and settle here and yeah. you know form gondor and everything and then at the very end of the summer really, i think it's i think the last section is of the rings of power it just kind of like glosses over a bunch of stuff that happens right, to yeah. the the you know heirs of elendil and i'm like i don't know what happened there <laughs>
1: yeah <laughs> right
0: and so I'm glad now to like have that context and now we are reading all of those details and we're mm-hmm. seeing, at least in this first half of, of Appendix A, we're filling in the gaps of like what happened between Elendil and his sons landing in Middle-earth and then Aragorn returning as the king. Right. Uh, in In terms of like that side of Middle-earth and those lands and Gondor and everything.
1: Mm -hmm. And we'll definitely get to it, but it's so interesting to me. um, And, you know, I'm not the showrunners of the Rings of Power and they have their plan and where they're going with everything. But it's so quick in Appendix A where we kind of go beyond where they're going to end with the Rings of Power where they're kind of leading up to their whole thing is let's do let's fill out the, the the prologue scene in fellowship of the ring you know everything that galadriel is narrating there up to mount doom uh and the last alliance of men and elves and that's that's the direction that they're going and then all the way you know we've got these lists of everybody who comes after elendil Isildur, and an and you know, we just kinda like get there and all of a sudden launch into and it's like, wow, there's a whole I don't know how far they'll get and where they're going, but there's like a whole nother yeah. T V series here. There's oh, a whole like... nother High Kings of Gondor <laughs> or you know what I mean, there's something. That's
0: I, I'm I'm so interested to see especially because um Listeners, I guess this is just a general like spoiler alert for the first season of Rings of Power. I don't know if we'll get into like specifics, but if either of us happen to like mention something I don't want you to be upset with us. So if you're really <laughs> precious about, you know, Rings of Power and, you know, several months later you still haven't watched it, you know, like this is your warning now. <laughs> um it, it, I had like several mixed feelings about like the direction that season one was going and like how it ended. And so it has just left me really curious about what they're going to set up Mm -hmm. in future seasons Mm -hmm. and what we're going to see and how far into the future that they're going to take us and like right. are they going to take us all the way up to, you know, Gandalf knocking on Bilbo's door. Right. Yeah. Asking What's the last to go shot? on an adventure. Yeah. Like <laughs> I think that would be great. Yeah, then yeah. then you can just pop in pop in the Hobbit trilogy and then the Hobbit Boom. trilogy ends. With the start of Fellowship of the Ring, so right. then you pop in Fellowship of the Ring. <laughs> it's just one giant, you know, right. circle. It's
1: just started on Christmas and end on New Year, and you've got your whole <laughs> yeah viewing schedule. <laughs> um.
0: So yeah. So so Appendix A, uh, this half at least is dealing with the the Numenorian kings, mm-hmm. and this. It's so funny because it's like, okay, the Numenorean kings. But first, Tolkien needs to give us a history of, like, Feanor and the Silmarils in order to explain, like, well... Feanor made the Silmarils, mm-hmm. and then the Silmarils were stolen by <laughs> right. Melkor, and then that led to this war, and then the war was so intense that the men who united with the elves uh, were later rewarded, and so it's this whole backstory yeah. just to set up what Numenor is. Right,
1: it's the necessary, I mean, this first paragraph of Appendix A, other than the, the note on the you know annals and kings of rulers but the first under Numenorian kings here it's basically like to go back to rings of power the first 10 minutes five i don't know how long that intro is but it's that here's the context that you need to to know to get up to speed with numenor here including uh talking about Elrond and his brother Elros and it's so interesting because it bookends well
0: we have to explain (laughs) okay so Elros was the first king of Numenor right but then like you got to back it up and it's like okay well who is Elros okay well he's he's the brother of Elrond and they are born from the two the the union of the two half elven unions
1: right <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> and it just keeps going back up further and further and it has to explain well the reason Elrond and Elros were given this option to either live as man or live as elf is because their father, Erendil, did this really cool thing where he took a Silmaril (laughs) up into the sky. And oh, by the way, a Silmaril (laughs) is this jewel of light that Feanor captured. And oh, by the way, the light is from these trees. And it goes all the way back to like, (laughs) you know, I I will say I am it it doesn't it doesn't quite go back to the very beginning where it's yes. like there was darkness and yes. then Louvatar <laughs> spoken to existence. Yeah, we don't everything, start with the know? music.
1: We start, so, yeah.
0: <laughs> um, but we do get like a, if if there's any listeners out there who the entire time I was covering the Silmarillion either tuned out or you, <laughs> you lost your train of thought, this would be the first like page or so of Appendix A is a good like summary of that. Rele- really relevant stuff
1: mm-hmm. right. um
0: for like lord of the rings and these characters
1: yeah and i love that about this at least portion of the, the appendix is it's also relevant to hey here's some of these things that you might have run into in the story of the lord of the rings themselves and had questions about and they're gonna pop up here and there in the tale but this is really telling you about some of this background. And it does touch on the Silmarillion in the sense that if you've never gotten to the Silmarillion, this would be a good thing to read to say, are my eyes like glazing over at all these names and this, you know, history of this? Or am I like really intrigued? And wow, this sounds amazing. I do want to hear more of this story. So it's kind of a good test case for you. I'd encourage everyone to try the Silmarillion to go and to, but, you know, if you're like, I don't know, start here if you haven't already.
0: That's a good point. Yeah, this is a good, like, um, a good, like, tester to, you know, read these first couple of pages of Appendix A. And if you're like, that Feanor guy sure sounds interesting. (laughs) What's his deal? Yeah. <laughs> you know, then or like, wow, that war sounds really intense. You know, then it's like, okay, the Silmarillion might be more appealing if you have kind of an overview of what you're getting into before mm-hmm. you start it. Which I did not when yeah. I started the Silmarillion. <laughs> <laughs> I was just like, I don't know. Here we what, go. who's yeah. who? I don't know what's going on. So yes, oh, uh, as we will recall, Elrond and Elros were given this decision, and we. Are are much more familiar with like what happened. Uh, I say we like the casual Lord of the Rings mm-hmm. fans are much more familiar with Elrond because obviously he goes on he he chooses the life of an elf, mm-hmm. um and he is there all the way through the Rings destruction. Um, but his brother Elros, who I think he just has like a tiny little name drop in the Rings of Power show where they they mention like oh yeah King Elros founded Numenor or not founded but you know right look he's here um, on this tapestry yeah uh, exactly uh, both of them yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um and he so he chose the life of men and he becomes the first king of Numenor and you know, long story short, there's right. a lot of contention between and I'm saying long story short, because we just on the on the podcast, we just recently covered this, this was like maybe two or three episodes ago, um, all about the downfall of Numenor. So if you want to hear those seedy details, you know, <laughs> go, go back and check that out. But there's a lot of contention and strife kind of between the Numenorians and the Elves, although it's kind of like one-sided where like the elves don't really have a problem, it's just the Numenorians. Right. They're, you know, they um are as as the lines go on and as the generations go on, they get more frustrated with Elros's decision yeah. to, you know, give up an immortal life. Of course then downfall of Númenor all that stuff happens and Elendil and the other faithful members of Númenor who were more more inclined to favor the elves and stick with those roots um and tried keeping like that language alive even when it was banned they all are able to escape and they get to Middle-earth. Okay Elendil has two sons, Anárion and Isildur, mm-hmm. and as Isildur, I mean, sorry,
1: <laughs>
0: this is where <weird. laughs> I'm not even trying, oh my god, as Sauron over in Mordor grows in power, because of course we know Sauron was responsible for the downfall, well, not fully responsible. Big influence. That's kind of fair, fair is well, yeah. on, big influence, We'll give him the yes. assist, Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, he, he was kind of like that first domino, yeah, you know?
1: disruptor, yeah.
0: Yes. He flees back over to Mordor and spent, bides his time growing in power until he can try again. Right, <laughs> he yeah. <keeps> tra- <laughs> you know, say what you will about Sauron. He keeps, he's very persistent. Yes. He keeps trying, you know, he's like, maybe one day I'll rule the world. <laughs>
1: yes. What are we going to do tonight, Sauron? The same thing we do every night. Take over the world, yeah.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Try. Eventually, it leads to this battle of the Last Alliance, uh, which is in the prologue of the Lord of the Rings movies, like right at the beginning, um, where Elendil is killed, Mm -hmm. and Isildur uses his broken blade, which are now called the Shards of Narsil. Um, He takes his broken blade and cuts the ring, the one ring, off of Sauron, and Sauron is momentarily defeated, and Isildur takes the ring, and, you know, events transpire from there. (laughs) (laughs) Kind of leading up to all that, now this is where we're learning um, some new information about, like, what specifically was happening between, you know, within Elendil's family, within his lines and Isildur's heirs and Anarion's heirs, um and yeah, I found it. So this is where it's going to get a little difficult. Where as I was reading it, I was like, "Wow, this is really fascinating." I'm right. following along. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know why I found it more. I found this more interesting than reading the Silmarillion, oh. even though this mm-hmm. has a lot of the same elements. Right. Tons of names. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Lots of war. <laughs> lots of like geography. You know. Uh huh. But reading this, I think I found it a little more interesting because i in my brain this like entire part is just setting up to where we see aragorn at the start of his story in Mm -hmm. fellowship where he's this you know disgraced you know heir and lone ranger and uh has has a fate to fulfill eventually and so this is kind of setting us up for all of that so i found it very interesting and it kind of filled in some gaps Mm -hmm. um that i've had throughout all of this being like well why didn't you know someone just if isildur's heirs were alive this whole time like why didn't one of them just go back to gondor (laughs) at some point like why? like if we're waiting for the return of the king why didn't one of them just go back eventually Mm -hmm. and exactly all this stuff yeah um so it starts off first we'll we'll go with we'll talk a little bit about isildur's side Mm -hmm. of the of the family line ellen oh no isildur has three sons maybe it's a i don't know. at some point there are three sons on a <laughs> side of the family and they are argu- or th- there's some contention contention over what areas of land are going to be there so Isildur's like okay you get this land you get this part and you get this part and so it's all kind of divided um this is where i wish i had a map specifically mm-hmm. like for this part i was trying to use the map in my book but i think it's more geared towards um the story in Return of the King versus, like, several hundred years earlier. Mm -hmm. So, like, some things weren't there anymore. But it does mention, like, a lot of things that we're familiar with. Like, Weathertop is um, one area of the land that is constantly kind of being fought over. And there's a lot of battles going on there. And so it puts things into context when, like... Frodo, when, you, when you're when you reading it and Frodo gets there.
1: Right, yeah. Um, the whole area that the Shire is part of is part of this northern realm that was called Arnor and doesn't exist by the time that we start in Fellowship. And so the question is, what happened to Arnor? If that's where Isildur and his heirs were how do we end up like you said with this ranger the the, the chieftains instead of the kings of the the mm-hmm. people and so yeah i think it is uh yeah i think eight kings or something after uh isildur and then the, what you're talking about kind of this division into three sections uh which end up becoming kingdoms um so Arthedain and Cardolan and Rudar. I'm, you know, these are names I've only ever read. So we're we're getting the pronunciation we're getting, but yeah. <laughs> but
0: I was going to say it sounds like you know what you're talking right. about, so yeah. I'm going with those pronunciations. Just too. say it confidently,
1: <laughs> and no one will. You know. <laughs> but um, but yeah, it's never a sign of strength, right? When you're dividing and
0: yes, you're not yeah.
1: unified, and so it, it, we're just off to a bad start. We're only eight generations out, and we're split up, and then um, debating, and yeah, Amunsuul, like you said, the Watchtower, which is Weathertop now, where there's a Palantir. Uh, yes, obvious. Who isn't going to want that? You know, of course, there's yeah. going to be a little uh, dissension about that. And um, then, you know, we get into the chief enemy adversary that they're going to be yes, facing yeah. this, this realm of Angmar, which I love how it's written, like even how Tolkien introduces the appendix where he talks about like the textual history of this. Like, OK, so there was the Red Book, but there's not that copy anymore. Uh, and some of this stuff, like the stuff that was Gondor, like Pippin's the one who can collected all of that yeah, he and then has to Ro- like ha- give
0: an in-universe explanation right. for like how this information exists right
1: how does somebody know all this to add it to bilbo's book um that became frodo's book that was added on that to, became like, sam's yeah. book yeah, <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> Who, who's writing this if none of them you know they're all gone um and so part of that is just that there's information that's added later these little like uh comments on things so you know when you get the, the talk of Angmar rising, uh, the lord of that land gathering many evil men and orcs and other creatures, then like little brackets, and the lord of that land was known as the Witch King. But it wasn't known until later that he was one of the ring ringwraiths. Like mm-hmm. somebody who's copying this book is like, who is it's like, this? Oh, like, oh, we have
0: new information right, now. readers, like... you might want to know that
1: this is actually – and so, um, yeah, we, we see this rise of the Witch King and – not good news for our yeah. friends in Arnor.
0: Yes. Um, just like you were saying that, you know, a house divided, they cannot stand strong. Um, of these like three l- lands and, and kings kingdoms, eventually really only one of them um, thrives and the other two, uh, the, the chieftains and the leaders in those lands just start kind of dying out and not doing well. Um, and part of it is because, uh, yes, the evil, evil is rising. And later we know it to be the witch King and these ring wraiths. Again, we met, yeah, we mentioned Amon Sul, which ho- holds, uh, one of the palantirs that was brought over from Numenor. And, uh, Because of that, and also Amansul is like on the border between two of the brothers' lands, so that's why they're kind of in disagreement about it. And then in comes the Witch King, and so it's just a lot of battles ensuing. It gets to a point, so eventually, the Dunadine there's a big battle, obviously. Uh, The Dunadine were defeated, and Arvileg was slain. So Arvileg, if you go far enough up, Aragorn's family tree we are follow- We are following like Aragorn's direct family tree now rather than like oh his like great 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 uncle or something um, so this is like one of his direct ancestors mm-hmm. so Arvileg was slain and the tower of Amon was burned and raised but the palantir was saved and says occupied by evil men subject to Ang- uh, Angmar um. So that's kind of how we get to... So this is Weathertop. And so all of this going on, so, something in my brain was like, it's so interesting to, for me to read about this because it adds so much more, I don't know, meaning to like Aragorn's character mm. that later on he's this, you know, like, like I said, lone ranger wandering about like the remains of his his like his direct history and like he's with frodo and the hobbits at weathertop and this is where one of his ancestors was killed and like this is where this battle happened and like he's wandering about these lands that like once had so much power and meaning for his for his family Mm -hmm. and then now you know here he is like not you know not a penny to his name basically (laughs) anymore
1: right it adds this like gravitas and kind of like somber note to his his travels and what we're seeing you know when it, when you know this background and you come into sight whether you're reading or, or watching fellowship of weathertop there's this different feeling that hits you instead of like oh cool some like ruins or something instead you're saying oh wow like it, you're reminded of what's lost and then even, them confronting the ring wraiths uh on weather yeah
0: on that same location when it's
1: like yeah. oh wow what has the witch king already done here it's a site of one of his great victories and there, here they are fighting him again um so yeah some really interesting background I- including um just like oh a palantir another one you know because when Gandalf's saying yeah, all these are like all... dropped in yeah.
0: here. Yeah. And like when you're reading Lord of the Rings, it's like this like rare ancient thing that they like mm-hmm. rarely come across. And then now they're like all over the place.
1: <laughs> right. Yeah. You're like tripping over Palantir. <laughs> yeah.
0: Because of all these battles with evil and darkness kind of in the form of the Witch King happening in these lands. And then, like we said, a lot of... um disagreements among their own you know kin Um, this is where we see the other two realms kind of fall off and die and one of them there's this one area that it goes into kind of like the history of and it's where those that line of isildur is like buried and it says that the witch king later like released spirits to go haunt that place and that is actually the barrow downs yeah and it's, it has this really creepy note that i was like <laughs> that's fun information to learn i guess yeah um it says some say that the mound in which the ring bearer was imprisoned had been the grave of the last prince of cardolan who fell in the war of 1409 So this is all the way back in, like, the Tom Bombadil chapters. Yes. Where the hobbits encounter the Barrow Whites, and then they're, like, captured and, like, buried alive. And, like, that's the history of, like, that place and what the Barrow Whites are.
1: Right. And crucially of the the blades the the barrel blades that they take from that place which were specifically oh, true, enchanted right? to work as weapons against the witch king. And so when Mary on the field of per- Pelennor you know Aowen's facing off with this same witch king and when he draws his blade and he stabs his knee
0: Wow! I did not make that connection at all. So that's amazing.
1: Here it is: this weapon with curses, specifically against the Witch King, and that's the blow that allows Aowen.
0: Wow! To
1: finish him off. Just think about like that smith in one of these three Arnorian, you know, breakups who's making this weapon. I'm just this thinking dagger. about.
0: What was in the, I I ask myself this question almost every day of just what was in the mind of J.R.R. Tolkien that made him be able to like connect these dots in this way.
1: Yeah.
0: Oh my gosh. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That's so crazy. Again, we're adding layers of significance to what the events, which are amazing themselves um, here. Yes yeah um in the lord of the rings but then you see all of this um and it's just like wow like that that reaction that you have of like oh my goodness just that that irony dramatically
0: yes of... Inten- like intense dramatic irony which is already in like that specific part of the story is already like dramatic irony on top of dramatic irony right, because yeah. of the like no not by the hand of man right yeah. and it's like did they mean man man or did they mean like a male person or you know what did they mean but like either way it worked for eowyn because (laughs) of that loophole like just yeah
1: it's so interesting yeah that that macbeth um influence on on tolkien not by the um someone born of a woman and yeah ripped untimely from the womb that one
0: that's yeah that one i have a little bit of a problem with because i'm like so how like no? I would argue that <laughs> people born of C sections are still, still born, born of a woman. Right? Yeah. But, okay. take
1: <laughs> yeah, you could say the same thing, right? Okay, Yeah. Exactly. Oh my
0: God. So, um, what happens next? Um, the witch king. Oh, okay. Um, then this is like the. Like sad last story. Like again, we're seeing we're seeing like how did supposedly like Isildur and Elendil and Anarion they're these like great kings, great Numenorean men. How did we get from that down to what Aragorn was? And so we're seeing more of the um uh, of Isildur's line kind of like dwindling, and it comes down to this like quote-unquote last king and then like there's still more people after that who are just like chieftains and don't really have land to rule over anymore I guess yeah um but this one is Arvidui
1: Mm -hmm. Arvidu (laughs) Arvidui yeah I yeah yeah, that's what I was saying in my head
0: (laughs) yeah (laughs) um and it's the kind of thing where I'm like are, is Seel is the Seelder's line? Is there was there like an unspoken like curse right. upon the men yeah. because of like his decision to not destroy the ring? Um, because what happens to this to this a name Arvedui? Yeah, <laughs> Arvidui, <laughs> yeah. Um, he like comes out of a mountain and meets these like snow people in this like really unforgiving like frozen part of the land, and then at some point he's like. I, th- I think uh, Kieran like shit sends start sending his people to rescue him, mm-hmm. and then he's like, "Great, my you know my 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 ride's here." <laughs> like, bye. <laughs> and the snow people are like, "No, don't go. We're sensing some bad things. Like, why don't you wait until spring when the wet when like the water's not as frozen?" And he's like, nah, I think I'm good." By the way, here's this ring. Mm-hmm. Um, if you ever like come across more of my people it's a sign of our friendship and alliance you know and then he like gets destroyed yeah. uh, on that ship and yeah. dies
1: so sad it's the but- whole thing is like it's like a short story it's almost like Lovecraftian, just in the like Arctic and ships and all these different people. That what's going on? And he's fleeing the Witch King, who's conquered, uh you know, the remnants of his realm. And, and then it ends just with his death and more palantirs here <laughs> that are dri- going into the bay. And it's uh, it's just so it's tragic. It really, yeah. It, I mean, yeah. It, it's it's not uh Turin Turinbar tragic but it's that's it's on another grim. level yeah, know, that's another right, level yeah. <laughs> but as but, far um, as the stories here it's pretty
0: right yeah it, it there's like no end in sight yeah you know yeah um it it, it just goes from you, you know it's this like tragedy that's passed from like father to son until eventually like aragorn is able to break it somehow um so it mentions that Rivendell is where uh so like Rivendell throughout all this time is thriving, and that is where uh pretty much uh oh it says after um Arvidui dies, um his son I think somehow ends up in Rivendell. And so mm-hmm. because of that, all of the like sons afterwards the heirs of Isildur are uh that they stay there for refuge, right. I guess like as their kids or something. I don't mm-hmm. know why, like so are all of their fathers dying young? Is that what's happening? <laughs> Some of <laughs> that, like, them definitely they have are. that they Is it that, you know, Arvidui has his son... What's his son? Um, Arnarth. Ar- 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 yeah. <laughs>
1: That's,
0: uh, that sounds like everyone who makes fun of um, the show H2O and saying, like, oh, no in an Australian accent. Oh, yeah. Arnarth. Arnarth, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <Ar-Narth>. Um, <laughs> Like, are they all just, they must all just be, like, having sons and then dying almost immediately.
1: So, yeah. First of all, they are now a nomadic people. Um, Mm -hmm. They're they're chieftains of a dwindling people. No former, you know, strength or glory. But they also have a target on their back because they are the heirs. And Arvadui, we get to this later in the history of Gondor, but he had tried to unite the realms... By yeah. claiming the kingship, and then Gondor's and were like, like nah, not interested. Don't think so. <laughs> but then it's not very long until the line of Anarion fails, and so then you say, "Well, where is this heir?" And like you're saying, why don't, why doesn't somebody just stroll into Gondor and say, "It's me." Well, it's a dangerous thing to do. That Sauron knows. Uh, What would be the consequences if the kingship were restored and so sometimes due to accidents but uh, uh, often you know just the life that they live but oftentimes because of who they are if they're discovered uh yeah the the men here who are the heirs not not living nearly as long as they would
0: i want to know who their wives are uh, where (laughs) are they if they're nomad if they're like such nomadic people you know in hiding all the time what, who, where are they finding these women?
1: Right. Yeah. <laughs>
0: that's what I want to know.
1: <laughs> who signs up? Where are for the that moms kind
0: of, of of the heirs of Isildur? Yeah. What What are they like? What happened to them?
1: There's a There's a story there. There's a Cersei type retelling uh, that from
0: the perspective, and <laughs> right. it's just like a bunch of women being like, "Oh my god, yep. <laughs> these cursed men." Right. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, my type. Yeah, the self destructive. Oh, yeah. <laughs>
0: Um but uh in Rivendell they also keep the heirlooms of their house the ring of bar here mm-hmm. the shards of Narsil, the star of elendil and the scepter of anumanos which the scepter i had not heard about until mm-hmm. now mm-hmm. um that is from numenor yeah. um from the 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 like king or the ruling person i should say the ruling person because numenor Was very progressive. That's right, (laughs) (laughs) and didn't you know? It didn't matter if the firstborn was a girl or a boy; it was just king or queen, no matter what. Right. Yeah. Then, uh, yeah, the northern line is just kind of like dwindling, and we go, you know, we we go down to to Aragorn eventually. Right. So now, backing up, let's see what was happening in Gondor in Anarions side of the family right um this is reminder Sildur's brother they came over they both founded like a a tower on both sides of the river um minas you yeah no, minas one one of the Ithil their minas arnor say. and Minus or Minus anor and minas Ithil, mm-hmm. and one of them gets taken over and turned into Minas Morgul, and one of them is taken over. I think Minas Anor is taken over and eventually turned into Minas Tirith. Um, so, what I didn't realize is that the for a good a good while, like the first. Several generations. They're actually in Osgiliath. I did not know that that like Minas Tirith was not always like the quote unquote capital of Gondor, you know,
1: right? There's Um, this line that it's like the summer dwelling. It's like the beach town or it's the Hamptons, I guess. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> at the time yeah, I was yeah gilly- for <laughs> a
0: summer a summer getaway right you know yeah, to that get a little further stone. away from Mordor right
1: <laughs> yeah that's the real reason it's just like let's but you can still see it I don't know it's not that far. yeah <laughs> yeah
0: um so this is where I I think I'm really gonna fail in trying to capture like what exactly happens and how fascinating it really is because it is very complicated and it is a lot of blah 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 son of blah 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 Mm -hmm. but that second blah 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 he just kind of like drops in and you're like wait a minute where did that guy come from (laughs) and it's like okay we're on the 10th king now I think and it jumps from like okay well this king didn't have any children so it went to his brother and then his brother's you know, grandson eventually like disgraced everyone and was exiled. So but then it went to like his second cousin. So it kind of like jumps around a bit in terms of like nephews and, and all that. Um, not does, women though. Right.
1: <laughs> yes, this is the boy's tale. Um, this yeah. part here. Um, it it does show you the challenge of adapting some sort of long history like this, because it's hard to get attached to many of these characters. Like you, you latch I know, on. I have no attachment right. to any of them. They're, they exactly. just, <laughs> they're gone yeah. immediately. Especially in a summary like this is, but um yeah, it's just kind of like a rotating door of, and, and he's just kind of expanding on going through the history of all these, um these Kings. So you kind of have to divide it into like, Eras of the kings yeah. to make it uh, palatable or graspable. uh You know, like after a few kings from Anarion, you get the the ship kings. Tolkien talks about so they are really into their navies yeah. and they do, um, which
0: I found really cool. Knowing that like they come from Numenor and so right. they're still keeping this like part of their history. Um, and, like, the foundation of, like, who they are, they're still keeping that alive.
1: Right. Exactly. Um, and because a lot of these places were former Numenorian colonies that yeah. are going to pop up, like, when they're talking about the ship kings, the, the port of Pilargir is is mentioned, that one of the kings rebuilds this ancient haven. It's like, well, again, spoiler alert, but after season one, some of our characters are headed to this place in the rings of power um and so we're seeing little things like that pop up and this this heritage that they have as as the great men as like you said the seafarers to to show up and then you get like the history of umbar and the black corsairs you know and so the 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 flip side of that coin that becomes the big threat in Return of the King, to that would be like the nail in the coffin, as it were, if Aragorn hadn't intervened. Um, you kind of see, oh, like that's uh, at least initially in its history, like Numenorian, also. And there's this yeah. like strife again, this division that comes out of the division in Numenor between like the king's men and the faithful. Well, Umbar is where a lot of those king's men end up. End up, yeah. And so there's this built-in kind of hatred for uh, Elendil and his heirs and sons and Gondor and a lot of even the the internal strife of the Gondorian kings leads to lots of dissatisfied people going down there to escape or to, to get away. So it's like, oh, this is where this big threat comes from. It's not just some random fleet that they're afraid will join with Sauron Yeah, it's and like wipe they have a history right, exactly. of, of like
0: being at war and yeah. being and battling with not just Umbar but um other like you know like mm-hmm. the Easterlings and other people of those like more southern lands of right. uh southern from uh, to Gondor. Yes. So yeah the kings the, the ship kings, whatever right. whatever it's called, mm-hmm. um they're it kinda it I I don't know where it said exactly, but it kinda said like and these were like The last really, like, this was the golden era of Gondor. (laughs) And then, like, Mm -hmm. after that, everything kind of started going south. And that is where we're going to leave this week's episode. It was a very enjoyable but also very long recording with Josh. So I posted a poll on Twitter and Instagram asking if I should make this one or two episodes. And it was close on Twitter, but Instagram really solidified things. So two episodes it is. Of course, we will be back next week with more of Appendix A. And maybe it's just because I'm coming off of the Marillion and so I find myself very cynical about reading Tolkien. But I think you'll find that I'm enjoying the appendices. Me enjoy Tolkien? What? Okay, my voice is too high. Dropping that now. That's what I'm talking about. As a proud member of WBNE, if you want to learn more about the network, you can go to wbne.org. The cover art is by Vaishon Brandon. You can support him on Instagram at Vaishon Designs. You can find the podcast on Twitter and Instagram at Pod. That is where I posted those polls. So if you're someone who is staunchly opposed to splitting recordings into two episodes, that is where you could have made your voice heard. You can also find me on Twitter and TikTok at Up, and on Instagram at MCTurndownForWatt. If you want to support the podcast, you can become a patron. Go to patreon.com slash TolkienAboutPod to explore the different tiers and perks that are available. You can become a member of the WBNE Discord server and get to connect with a whole bunch of other wonderful nerds, or you can become a sponsor of the podcast like Guy. Guy, thank you so much for showing your support of the podcast and for continuing to show that support. It really does mean a lot. And as always, if you like what you're listening to, please make sure to rate and review. You know, it's funny. I always put my guests on the spotlight to share some parting words with the audience. And here I am mind blank head empty no thoughts and that's what i'm talking about